Uh, so yeah, so praise God. It's uh, it's good to be saved, Amen. It's good to it's good to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And now uh, this thing's starting to come down. I'm so unprofessional with these things. I don't know. I don't get to do this too often. That's why when Pastor asks, you know, he gives you the opportunity. You take the opportunity to to preach. So uh, if you would turn to your, turn your Bibles, open your Bibles, and let's start out. We're going to turn to the Gospel of uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter ten, and John chapter four. And I think this message would be befitting. It'd be good for us. So Luke chapter ten. Let me get there. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 35. The Lord says, uh, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, thank you, Father, for this opportunity to be in your word tonight, Lord. Thank you for my brothers and sisters, Father. I pray, Lord, Father, that you would uh, bless the message tonight, Lord. May it be pleasing unto you, Father, and may it uh, encourage the saints. Encourage us, Lord, to get out there in the field and do your work, Father. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if the gospel work is the Lord's work, it's likened by Jesus uh, uh, to a harvest, and if, if we who labor for that harvest are likened to laborers working in that field, praise the Lord, God gives us, in, so if he likens it to a harvest field, he, he gives us, he, he won't just uh, tell us something and not give us direction on it. So if you turn to the book of Ruth, chapter, chapter 2, Ruth chapter 2, it's funny, I never thought I would ever preach from the book of Ruth. Ruth is uh is actually my sister's name, and I didn't know too many Ruths growing up. And my Ruth and my sister Ruth, she's not eighty years old. She's a she's a young lady because Ruth seems like an older older woman's uh, name. But that's my sister Ruth's name. Uh, my sister, her name is Ruth, and uh, we never called her Ruth. It was always Rudy. But uh, so so uh, Ruth, the gospel, uh, the the book of Ruth, chapter two, uh, it says, and Naomi had a kinsman. Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, a family of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. Now Boaz was a mighty man of wealth. Now the Bible gives us a, a, a lot of likenesses, it, uh, like a mighty man of wealth. Uh, I look at that and I, I think of my Savior, Jesus Christ. He's a mighty man of wealth. Amen. Uh, down at verse four, it says that he was also he's from Bethlehem. So he's a mighty man of wealth, and he's from Bethlehem. Sounds like our Savior, amen? amen? All right, so he's a mighty man of wealth. In verse 4, he says he's from Bethlehem. I'd like to say our Savior Jesus Christ is a mighty man of wealth. 
And I don't think anyone comes close to close to how wealthy our Savior is. I mean, he was a mighty man of wealth. I mean, our Savior, our God is, I mean, he's a God of a, he, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, our Savior, our, our, our Savior, he's a, he's a rich man. He's a, he's a rich Savior. Nobody's, nobody has as much real estate as our God. Amen? I mean, you think about it. He owns the Grand Canyon. He owns the, um, uh, the Himalayan mountains. I mean, he owns a lot of real estate, our Savior. So he's a rich Savior. He's a rich God. And, he, and so, we could, so we can look at Boaz and we could see that that's, a, that, that's, a, that's, that's our Savior. That's a, that's a picture of our Savior. And he's a mighty man of wealth. He's from, he's from uh, Bethlehem. In verse 2, and it says, Ruth the Moabite is said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. A mighty man of wealth he was, and we get to labor for a mighty man of wealth from Bethlehem. Verse 2, it says, Now Ruth is what they call an outlandish, an outlandish person, just like us. We're outlandish people. We're not, we're not supposed to be. We're not Jews. We're not part of uh, God's promises. We were, we're outsiders, just like Ruth was an outsider. She was, from, she was, she was a Moabite. She was, uh, she was, she was a half-breed. The Moabites, they were, they were enemies of the Israelites. The Moabites, they, were, they came from Lot. And uh, so she was kind of like a half-breed. She, she was a heathen. The, the Moabites were heathen. They were enemies of the Israelites. She knew she didn't belong with God's people, but she found grace. She was just like us in a world without God, without hope. We don't deserve to be a, God, a part of God's work, but by grace we're saved through faith. Amen. So grace is undeserved, unmerited mercy. It's God's kindness. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the, in, in the time of need. It's grace. She had, she had faith to make that statement. You look at Romans chapter 3. It's a, it's a verse we all, we're all familiar with. Romans chapter 3 verse 24. Romans 3.24 says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So it's grace. Naomi found grace in, Boaz, in, in Boaz's sight. Romans chapter 5, and we'll just, just look at 5 and look at 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into His grace where we stand. So that faith also gives us grace. In the hope of glory, in the hope of glory of God, so she said, "I shall find grace." In verse two, she uh, she had faith to make that statement. She seemed very confident. If you look at it, go back to the book of Ruth. So keep keep your keep your place in Ruth. We're going to stay in Ruth. We're going to go through those verses over there. So uh, it's by God's grace that we're allowed to enter into the labor field. Because we're outlandish people. We weren't in God's family till we got saved. Amen? So we're also, now we're in God's family by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Because a lot of people want to say, well, we're all children of God. That's not true. That's not a true statement. Jesus Christ made it perfectly clear in uh, John chapter 8 when he says, Ye are of your father the devil. So there's two families. We're in God's family by faith in Jesus Christ. You can see that in uh, the, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, uh, 
the Gospel of John, chapter 1, 1, 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we're children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, by believing on Christ. So we're in God's family now. So that's how we, uh, so that labor field that we're in is because we're in God's family. He allows us to enter into that labor field. That's an honor and privilege. The, what we're going to do the next couple of days going out to these fairs, it's an honor to serve the king, that man, uh, that mighty man of wealth, our God, our Savior, to, to go out there and to be able to hand out a tract, whatever that labor is, we're, 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 it's by God's grace that we're allowed to do that. It's an honor and a privilege. And that labor field, that can, that could be handing out tracts, that could be preaching at the rescue mission, that could be breaking down uh, the, the sound system. I see, I see my brother Mario, uh, after Sunday, he's there faithfully helping out. When I, that's a blessing. That's the labor field. The labor field isn't just giving out tracts and standing on a street corner preaching. Hey, Amen. That's, that's good and all. But, you know, the labor field is getting out, working, helping, helping, doing the work of God. That's the labor field. And so that's... Uh, you know, it's not always just coming up here and preaching. That's not always the labor field. So look at verse 3, back to the book of Ruth. Chapter 2, verse 3. And, and she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. She came and gleaned after the reapers. She didn't come and take over. She wasn't a know-it-all. She came in, she took after the reaper, and Hap was to light on part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. So that, that shows me that I, I, I saw that Ruth, uh, she came and, 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 and she gleaned in the field after the reapers. She didn't just come in there and just try to take over. She was humble. She just stayed in her lane, and she labored for the Lord. And that's what we ought to do when we come to church. You know, don't try to be this big shot and, you know, take over and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put the pastor in his place or whatever the case may be. You know what? We all have to start somewhere. So she followed experienced reapers. She didn't come in and take over. She wasn't a know-it-all. And she fell in line, just like a babe in Christ falls in line. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. So you get on, the, you get on that labor field as a babe and you start growing. If you're, newly, if you're a newly saved Christian, you need to find a brother or sister in Christ and follow their lead. Find a good brother, find a good sister in Christ and follow their lead. Keep your eyes on them. And that's why it's important for us, for people that are uh, a little more mature in the Lord, to set that good example because you never know who's, who's looking, who's, who's got their eye on you. You know, I... Praise God, I've been saved a long time, and I've, I've had a lot of elders that I was able to look up to. You know, and unfortunately, there was a couple that went astray, but you know what? Praise God, they're still strong in the Lord. The men I know, they're still, they're still strong in the Lord, and they're still out there laboring in the field. Maybe they're not going out, and you know, and like I said, maybe they're not going out on the street corner preaching, but they're still laboring for the Lord. And whether it be sweeping up after the service or whatever it is, that's all laboring. That's all the labor field. That's all the field uh, to, uh, the, for the Lord. She also made sure she was in the right field. If you look at the verse, she was in the. Uh, she, she made sure. Uh, 
So, and her happens to light on the part of the field belonging to Boaz. She made sure she was in the right field. She made sure she was with the Lord. She made sure she didn't, she didn't just go and, uh, you know, and just, just go to any old church. You know, she got saved and she, and she went to the right, and she stayed in the right church and she stayed there. And let's see, you know, I mean, there's, uh, she was in the right church. I, I mean, I want to be in the right church where they have the 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 right book, Amen. The right book, and they, and they, and they love the they love the Lord Jesus. They have the right Jesus. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people laboring for the Lord for the wrong Jesus. I mean, I tell you what, being out there, giving out Operation Jerusalem, whatever, you see them J them JWs. They're just as faithful. I mean, they're probably they have a zeal for God. They're out there giving out tracts. They're laboring. They're in the wrong field. Though they're laboring for the law, but they're they're in the wrong field. Uh, they do a lot of they do a lot. They probably do more door knocking than most churches. There've been plenty of times we run into them while doing Operation Jerusalem, and just like we just just like we have stands. I mean, I noticed. I don't know if they took our idea, or whatever. But even down the ferry, right, brother? You see, them, they open up their their thing on bus stops. I've seen them on bus stops opening. It's like a big suitcase. They open up, and there's all their watchtower literature. They're in the wrong field. You got to make sure you're in the right field. The field belonging to Boaz. Uh, so you know, there's the there's the right field and the wrong field. Turn, turn to Romans chapter ten, verse two, talking about the wrong field here. You know, and, and it's a shame because. Uh, you know, you run into these JWs and not even the Jehovah's Witnesses. You also, I, I mean, I was actually good friends with Mormons. I had, I had the Mormons come over my house one time, help me move a refrigerator. I took advantage one day. They says, if there's anything we could do for you. And I says, just so happens I got to move this refrigerator from the garage into the house. And they helped me. They were good people. You know, they were good people. But unfortunately, they were on the wrong field. Romans chapter 10, look at verse, uh, look at verse 2. It says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge and that's a shame Galatians chapter 1 verse 8 and unfortunately this you know like if you run into the Mormons they uh, like I said they're, they're good people even the Jehovah's Witness they're good people but you know what they're not preaching the right Jesus they're not in the right field with Boaz Galatians chapter 1 verse uh, we'll start at verse 7 uh, uh, verse 8 uh, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. As we said before, verse 9, say now I, uh, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. God is not fooling around. God says, get in the right field, get in the right field. And praise God, we're in the right field over here. Back to Ruth. Back to Ruth. Ruth, uh, chapter 2, verse, let's look at verse 4. Okay, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The, the Lord bless thee. I was thinking about I was thinking about you, Mario. Like, imagine the CEO of Con Edison or JCP, you know. I mean, you just look at this. Boaz, he not only, he was right there in the field with them. 
I mean, that's what it looks to me. He didn't just rule from afar off, just like our Savior. He's out there with us, laboring. Imagine the CEO for JCP now, PSE&G, Con Edison. We're right there for our job briefings, and we're out there. Imagine I was going back-to-back in a bucket truck with, a, with, with the CEO from Con Edison. It'll never happen. It might be a different work environment. But you know what? He was right there with us. He's right there. Boaz was right there in the field with, with Ruth, with, the, with his laborers. And not only that, he says... Imagine in the morning, the CEO of your company says, the Lord be with you. And everybody answers, the Lord bless you. It grieves me. I tell you what, I'm close to retirement. I know I've said this so many times. I'm close to retirement. And it grieves me being at work. And I know we're all there. You know, just the conversations and everything in the morning. You know, going. you can't even watch a news station without the guys making comments about certain things. And it grieves me. And I know it grieves a lot of us. But imagine being in a field, being, a, being laboring, and not imagine when we labor, we have a Savior who's with us, and He blesses us, just like He says, the Lord bless you, and we say, the Lord bless you back, amen. So imagine what kind of work environment that would be. Uh, all like-minded co-workers saying, the Lord bless thee. When you go to work for Jesus Christ, not only is He with you in the harvest field, He wants, you to, he wants to bless you while you work. And you'll end up blessing him. Oh, it's a different type of employment. You'll find that it, you'll, you'll, you'll find in this world, you'll never find that kind of employment. Uh, imagine the job with all like-minded, bo- uh, like-minded co-workers who love their boss. Imagine all, imagine all your co-workers love the boss. That's unheard of. I know you're probably a good boss, brother, but I know not, a, not everybody loves you, right? Amen? <laughs> you know, so let's look at verse 5. So verse 5, and it says, Then Boaz... Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? You see, the Lord takes notice. And what I took out of that was, so uh, the servant was set over the reapers. He had a servant set over the reapers that said, Whose damsel is this? And that servant, I see a picture of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Lord of the harvest has the has direct overseer. And I, I mean, what I see, it looks like a type of the Holy Ghost. I mean, listen, I know Jesus, he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Uh, he said, but you know what? He did say, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go sit at my father's right hand, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you a comforter. Amen. So it's a type of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit. That's that comforter. And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said in verse 6, and said, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. He knew everything about her. Just like the Holy Spirit gives a report on us. I mean, uh, he says uh, in John chapter 14, uh, you know, like I said, you know, God, Jesus says, I'm going away, but I'll leave you to comfort her. The Holy Ghost is overseeing this work. The work that we do, the Holy Ghost is overseeing. Then the overseer is reporting to the Lord of the harvest, Jesus Christ. And he takes notice of new workers every time someone gets saved. Well, who is that? Well, the Holy Spirit will tell them all about it. The Holy Spirit knows all about this, all about this new worker. And that just like that, that overseer knew everything about Naomi, knew where she, knew where she came from, knew, where, knew uh, everything about her. So that overseer is reporting to the Lord of the harvest, and he takes notice of the new work. Is the Holy Ghost is what helps you in the field. When we go out there, we got to be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. 
He'll encourage you to do something for Jesus. The Spirit of God is what encourages us to, uh, to do something for Jesus. And He'll convict you. If you're not in your lane, if you're not in that right field, and you're not in the right lane, the Holy Spirit of God will convict you. And I speak by experience. So the Holy Ghost, that's what helps you in the field. That overseer is a picture of the Holy Ghost and it'll help you in the field. He'll convict you to stay in your lane, to give out that track. How many times you're at a gas station, you're like, uh, uh, should I give him the track? Ah, uh, oh, he's so far away. Uh, I'm not going to bother. It happened to me going to New Mexico a bunch of times. I was, ah, uh, uh, he went away. And besides, you, get, you have to pump your own gas. Imagine Jersey. Jersey, Jersey, we sit there at nights. They come and they pump our gas. It's easy. Just give them a track. Driving, we drove through 12 states. And I'd say 11 out of the 12 states we had to go pay for it, pump my gas. My hands smell like gas now. And, you know, so the Holy Spirit will help us. It'll give you that, that extra push we need to give out that track. So when we get out there in the next couple of days, you know, at these fairs and stuff, pray about the Spirit of God to give us that courage, that boldness that we need. You know? So, that overseer, he represents Boaz. He has no name. Oh, that's another thing. So, I see the overseer, he has no name. And you think about it, the Holy Spirit really doesn't have a name. I mean, he has a title, right? Amen? He's got a title. I don't think there's really a name for him. We have names for Jesus. We have names for God the Father, God the Son. But there's no... So that's why I also likened it to the Holy Spirit. And he, rep- and he represents the Lord in his absence. So when Boaz says, who's that? The overseer gives him a full report. He knows everything about it. Every little detail, he reports to the Lord of the harvest. Uh... Verse 5, uh, we are, what are we up to? We're up to uh, uh, 7. Okay, verse 7. All right. Actually, verse 5 continued, I have here. Everything you do is for the Lord. It's never in vain. Uh, that's another thing. So that's another thing, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Everything you do for God, it's never in vain. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, it's, uh, the Bible says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your labor and love. Everything you do for the Lord, the Spirit of God will, uh, takes notice, God takes notice, and there's nothing is going to fall between the cracks. God, God will give you a full reward when you, when you, when you finally get, uh, go to the judgment seat of Christ. And He's the only one who knows the true motive of your heart. How about that? The Holy Spirit's the only one. I mean, how many times, you know... How many times can we honestly say, and I'm speaking for myself, honestly say that I've done something just because I love the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, there's been times where, you know, well, I'm going to do this because I know it's going to motivate someone else to do it. You know what? The Spirit of God is the only one who knows your true motive of your heart and the sacrifice of your labor. And He's making a full report. He keeps a perfect record. You may think it goes unnoticed, but He'll let the Lord of Harvest know. Uh, also, oh, also, if you, uh, verse 11, and uh, just skip down to verse 11, and it, had, uh, it says, And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed to me all that thou hast done. You know, so that's another, the Spirit of God is fully, so that, that the servant that was set over, the, uh, the servant that was set over the reapers, he says, It is fully, uh, he said, It was fully been showed unto me what thou hast done. You know, so there's nothing that's going to fall between the cracks. There's nothing that's going to fall between the cracks. God knows it all. Uh, turn to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm 
Psalm chapter 90, verse 8. Oh, talking about the Spirit of God, like there's nothing, there's nothing, He knows everything. He knows everything. He knows every hair on your head. Don't make any comments, Brian. Hairs on my head. All right. Psalm 90, verse 8. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. You can't get away with nothing with the Spirit of God, with the, with the servant of the Lord of the harvest. You can't hide from God. Uh, we already tried that in Genesis chapter 3 when, they, when, when Adam and Eve, when they tried to hide from God, they weren't hiding from God. He knew right where they were. You can't hide from God. Ruth chapter 2, verse 7. And she said, I pray you then, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued, even from the morning until now, that she tarried in the, and, and that she tarried, that she tarried a little in the house. God allows us to labor. It's a privilege. So she tarried a little bit in the house. She took a rest after working. That's what I see there. She took a, work, a rest after working from morning till evening. And we labor in the field all week from the, uh, for the Lord. And every Thursday night we get, to, we, we, get to, we get to get together. And it's a time of refreshing. We get to spend some time in the house. A Sunday we get to spend time in the house amongst like-minded believers. We need that refreshing. So we get to rest in a little in the house. We get rejuvenated. We get refreshed. Church and church, like my brother Eli says, is like a hospital. That's so accurate. It's like a hospital. This place, you know. Sometimes you get beat up. You get wounded. You need that. You need to get. You need to get cleaned up. A little, little, uh, a little medicine. And sometimes we need to get fixed so we could continue on. So we could continue on. So that was verse seven. Verse eight. Then Boaz unto Ruth, hearing. Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go, to, uh, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here, fast by my maidens. Stay in fellowship. That's what I see there in verse 8. Stay in fellowship. Abide here. Abide here. Fast by my maidens. Stay put. Stay in fellowship. Don't bounce around. Go church shopping uh, just because you get offended or you don't, uh, you don't see that doctrine there. Instead of praying about it and studying it out, you just move to another church. No. He says, stay put. Don't bounce around and go church shopping. Don't try another, another field to work in. Stay in your field. Just because there's more people in the other field, that doesn't mean there's more grain or wheat. Just because that church is fancy programs, I mean, and, and, and a 10-piece band, it doesn't, and a lot of people go there, that doesn't mean anything. God isn't interested in numbers. He never was. He never was interested in numbers. You just stay put. You're in, we're in the right place, amen? We're in the right place. This is the place we got to be. God isn't impressed by numbers. Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. And it's a familiar verse. I know it by heart, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it anyway because we ought to read it. 7.14, Matthew chapter 7, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. No, that's, oh, I'm in Mark, that's why. Okay. Matthew 7, verse 14. 7.14, uh, Actually, 13, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be in that go, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leadeth, leadeth unto life, and there be few that find it. God isn't impressed by numbers. God isn't impressed by numbers. Back to Ruth. 
to 9. Let's look at 9. We're up to 9, right? All right. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have, thy, have, have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Drink. Drink that living water. Amen. Amen. You know? Let's get our eyes on the right thing. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Amen. Uh, Let thine eyes, you know, we got to keep our eyes on the Lord. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. We got to keep our eyes on the Lord. We got to keep our eyes on Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. uh, I want to read it right there. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, and I got Titus 2.13. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, endured the cross, despising the shame, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep looking, keep looking, keep your eyes on the Lord. Second Peter 3.12, it says, looking for the hastening and coming of the day of the Lord. All we can, all we can do, uh, you know, we got to keep our eyes on the Lord. I mean, we got to stop worrying about other things. You know, I, I mean, listen, I'm guilty as charged. I, I get, I get to watching Fox News and all this stuff, and my eyes start going to politics and all that's the craziness that's going on. Stop! I got to stop. I got to keep my eyes on the Lord. You know, I got to stop with all that stuff because you know what? All I could do is pray and vote. That's all I could do. And you know what? The Lord's going to do. The Lord's going to put. In who he wants to put in. That's it. So, uh, you know, let's get our eyes on the right thing. Let's get our eyes on the right thing. Uh, you know, people are dying and go to hell. We got to keep our eyes on that field. That field is important. We got to keep our eyes in the field. And you know what? And verse nine: <clears throat> Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go that after, and go thou after them. Have not I charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? You know what? I was looking at this. You know, Boaz, he made sure that Ruth was safe. And you know what? The Lord, this is a safe place to be. This is a safe place to be. Your marriage is safe here. Your children are safe here. This is a safe place. I I know you hear horror stories, uh, pastors and, you know, doing certain things. But you know what? You're safe over here. This is a safe haven, you know. And and we got to remember that. And just like... uh, just like he says that, you know, I told them that they shall not touch thee. That they shall not touch thee. Your family's safe here. And we got to look out for each other. We got to keep each other safe. We got to keep each other safe. And then verse 10. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found the grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me? How many have ever said that? I say that. Why? I mean, listen, I don't have a Calvinistic bone in my body, and I, I, but I do. When we're out there, and, I, and I just, it's just so plain to me, the gospel's so plain and clear, and I just don't understand why people don't get saved. 
You know, I just don't know. It just seems it's a free gift, but people don't get saved. You know, Lord, why me, Lord? Why me? What did I do? What did I do? How? Why is it? Why did I find grace? Why did? Why did you? Why did you bless me and open my? And not only that, you put me in a good church, Lord. I, I'm so blessed, and you gave me the right book, Lord. You, uh, I mean, I know, I know. We've all said that. We've all said that. She bowed herself to the ground and said, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? Why should thou takest knowledge of me? I've said that so many. I've prayed that so many times. Seeing I am a stranger. <laughs> oh, man. She's unworthy just like me. She's unworthy just like us. We were strangers, brethren. We were strangers unto God. You know, I, I, I remember that verse where he says, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. Yeah, you know what? You know, I know God knows us all, but when he says, I never knew you, because you know what? That person isn't in the book of life anymore. You know, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. You know, once you, once you reject God's son, you don't want nothing to do with you. But yet, he saved me. God, he saved me. I don't know why he made it so clear to me. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I start at verse 4. But God. I love those but gods. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together by Christ. With, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised, us up, hath raised us up together and made us, to sit, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in ages to come he might show exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm sure glad he didn't make it by works, because there's, no there's no way I could have done it. There's no way any of us could have done it. So I don't know why God made it so clear to me, but I, I don't deserve this. Why are you so good to me, Lord? You not only save me, but you put me in a good church. And I look back, Anthony, you're from the old neighborhood. How many guys you know? Went the wrong way. Why me, Lord? Amen. Uh, why me? I mean, Amen. brothers, friends. I, I called them brothers back in the day. They were not brothers in Christ, but they were like brothers to me. And who's not even here with us anymore? Who's went this way, went that way? But God's good. God is good. And verse 12. Ruth 2.12, the Lord recompense thy work and the full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. You'll work hard in the field and you'll be rewarded. What a God. What a Savior. What a Savior. Not only saved us, we're going to heaven. And if you work for Him, you labor for Him, which isn't a bad thing to do. It's Especially when you got like-minded brothers and you're out there. We make a good time of it, amen? I mean, we have a good time. I mean, 
Like I said, and the labor isn't always giving out tracts. The labor could be in the nursing home ministry. It could be the, the, the rescue mission. It could be breaking down after we get ready, you know, helping with everything. Just, you know, that's labor. That's being out in the field, and we'll get a full reward. We'll get a full reward. Imagine getting a, uh, imagine getting a reward from Jesus Christ. <laughs> imagine the day come. We're surrounded by millions of believers. I mean, you see, even a Stanley Cup player, and I'm not even a big hockey fan. Yeah, watching a little bit. The crowd was going crazy. They didn't even win. The crowd was going crazy. And it was so loud, it was deafening. Imagine what it's going to be like. Imagine what it can be like. Because we have appeared before the judgment seat of Christ. Imagine what it's going to be like, what it can be like getting a reward from Jesus Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords, God manifesting in the flesh. I mean, the crowd goes crazy. The crowd goes no, The crowd's, crowd goes crazy. And Jesus Christ is giving me a reward for doing something that really, I did it because I love you, Lord. And you're going to reward me. Amen. What a day that will be. When Jesus I shall see. Right? Amen. That song that we sing. So this is as far as I got. I hope I used enough time. But um, you know what? And later on, when I saw this, the likenesses, later on, Ruth, that outlandish woman, marries the Lord of the harvest. There's going to be a wedding one day. There's going to be a wedding one day. And... We'll be there. We'll be there. It's the body of Christ. Amen. That's all I got, brother. Amen. Oh, I was going to take this home. (laughs) You would have heard me in the bathroom. Oh, I'm just carrying stuff. I don't want to reach in there. (laughs) Yeah. We're amongst them. Amen.